1: It's time to talk from the inside of sports. It's time for G-Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and co-host Micah Warren. We'll talk to and about players, front office personnel, agents, and the newsmakers in and around sports. Now, here are your hosts, G-Cobb and Micah Warren. What's happening,
2: everybody? Welcome to G-Cobb in the House. I'm Micah Warren, and I am joined this week by Haran Knight from GCOB.com, as well as Jason Ashworth, from now from GCOB.com. He's been posting now, and OTR Sports Online. What's happening, guys? Hey, how's hey, everything going? Yeah, we're all of up after a big Eagles win. Um, <laughs> so, look, today we're, we're going to talk about what happened with the Eagles. I mean, it's already it's been done to death a little bit, but there's still stuff to discuss. There's always stuff to discuss. Uh, we'll talk more about the NFL playoffs and even – what the Eagles are going to do in free agency, which I know Haran loves to do. Haran, I think, likes talking free agency in week eight. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but it's fun, though. That's the fun part, is playing GM. And uh exactly. so the Eagles went out and they didn't stink up the joint. I just think the game ended up being closer. The Packers deserved to win that game. They were the better team that day. And right. the names have changed a little bit this year. But it's the same complaints after a playoff loss. It's the same complaints. And it's still Andy didn't run the ball enough. And he's still just relying on his quarterback too much. Whether it's Vic or McNabb, he's just asking either one to do too much. And once again, it didn't work. Um, What did you guys think? I mean, to me, and Jay, you wrote about this and, and about how many fingerprints were on this loss. You know, Vic really did hide a lot of deficiencies. I was chatting on Facebook with Ruben Frank uh, from uh, from Comcast, and I said, "Well, there's other other things that he they have to fix." He said, "Well, this is a 10 and 16 team that won the division. You know, that much doesn't need to be fixed." But I don't really feel that way.
3: I no, think there are, there no, is I, a lot to be. I fixed. don't either. I think I agree with you. They they may be 10 and 16 on paper, but I don't think that when you look back, you know, on this Eagles team, and I and quote me right there, I said, "On this Eagles team." You're going to think, yeah, you know, this is a uh, one of our better division winning teams. Or I don't think any of us really look back and say this is a, just a good team. I mean, I think we all understand Vic hit a lot of this inefficiencies, deficiencies, whatever you might want might want to call it. Uh, he made up for a lot of mistakes. He made up for uh, poor defense, poor special teams. Um, so I don't want to sit here and say it was a good team, but there's a, there's a lot of holes. And obviously, we'll get into this around when when we start talking about free agency and, and their direction, but. I mean, they have their hands full. There are a lot of holes on this team that Vic, um, you know, with his, it, at times, stellar play just hit, and people are forgetting that.
4: And to add into that, I think they're 10-6 because of Vic's stellar play. Um, you don't just get to 10-6 with that type of offensive line and a defense that only gets, gets up, gives up 31 t- passing touchdowns. The two bookend defensive ends combined only get 16 sacks. The offensive line gave up almost 50 sacks, and it would have been 70 if Vic wasn't in there. It. So, <laughs> it's so true. I mean, so he, he hit the offensive it's really, line.
3: It's really like that team really should have been 6-10, and 7-9. And, and I think that's what we all pretty much had them in all reality when we were coming into the season. Yeah, uh, and we were all assuming it was going to be Kevin Cobb. I mean, I was on the when we were on the show before the season. I said six and ten. Now, am yeah. I glad that obviously I'm dyslexic and I got it wrong? At the end of the day, well, I don't know. I'd, I'd much rather have a top five pick, you know. So I don't. I don't know if I'm glad at the end of the day that they're ten and six over six and ten. But I'm glad we found something, or the Eagles found something in Michael Vick. Um, depending on you know what they do moving forward, I mean, I'm happy for Michael Vick and what it could lead to. I mean, at the end of the day, the team is still uh, you know sitting on sitting on the couch just like everybody else.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, the, yeah, you
3: either win or you don't. Yeah, right. The positive
4: side about that part with Vic is, and we like going into this season, like I said, with Cobb, I expected seven, seven, and nine at best. But as you imagine, us just going through this entire season with Cobb and really struggling, and then Vic leaves and goes and does what he he did this year for the Eagles with somebody else. We'd really be kicking ourselves looking at this team after that. So that's like the only positive, well, the biggest positive out of it was knowing that you do have this quarterback that could still actually probably still be this productive in about three, four years. That's a question I have. With with, with the line improvement.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Let me push this to you, Ron, because we talked about this last week. And... Yeah, Vic was obviously very productive and for a stretch this season, you know, arguably, arguably played that position better than anybody has uh, through through a stretch of games. But I'm not sold, and, Mike, we were talking about this last week, I'm not sold that Cobb can't be – I'm a Vic guy, first of all. Let me just clear that Let me just so there's there's no discrepancy there. But I'm not sold that we've given Cobb enough sample size to – to go ahead and say he can't be a quarterback in this league, that he can't be a quarterback for the Eagles should they choose to let him walk, should they, you know, at the end of the day, franchise him and then and hold on to Cobb, and then uh, after that, Vic walks. Because I, I look at all the quarterbacks who've had a larger sample size, that have had 16 games to make their mistakes, to learn from their mistakes. And I don't think that Philadelphia has given that to Cobb. He's looked great, and he's looked bad. But part of that looking bad is this learning curve, is this learning experience. And you can't get any better until you make those mistakes and learn from them. So I'm just on that, I'm on that side of that ilk of I'm reserving judgment on this Kevin Cobb kid because I don't think any of us really know what he is. We haven't seen enough. I, I know more than I used to. Yeah, we know. <laughs> but what did we know before? We didn't know anything. We had good games, and now we've seen some bad games. But through, you tell me, consistently is a guy... Inconsistently inconsistent. The, yeah, but any quarterback is going to be in, inconsistent when they first start getting their playing time. Last year was an aberration. He had two bad defenses kind of thrown in there. I, I can't say that this year I've seen enough. I've seen good. I've seen bad. I want to see 16 games of a guy before I go ahead and make any kind of decision on what type of quarterback he's going to be. I mean, does that not make sense? No,
2: it does. I just think... I've seen enough to get an idea where he's headed. It's almost I think like it's he's better than a backup but yeah, I don't well, think you
3: love him unfair. as a fair. And Ron, I'm sorry i let you get it, but I just want to say it's almost unfair because too often I'm hearing him compared to you know, well look what Matt Ryan did and look what Roethlisberger did and look what Flacco did and look what Sanchez did last year. Well you can't compare what those guys did to what Kevin Cobb did in this small sample size this year. Because as we said when we opened up this show, there's one thing the Eagles don't do that all those other teams do. Run the football. Not to mention they all had solid defenses. Eagles don't run the football, and they didn't have a solid defense. It was almost as if he was in a lose-lose situation. Yeah.
4: Huron, please, can you?
3: Yeah, What's this, mean, this definitely it's true. I
4: mean. Um, I mean, even besides the defenses and the running game, I mean, but it, everything comes back to that offensive line. So because of that line and not getting enough time for him to set his feet half half the time, I, I do agree that we really haven't seen everything out of Kevin Cobb. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen 16 games out of him too, but I mean, quite frankly at this point, I, I, I was actually rooting for him all year, but quite frankly at the point where you can't you can't let Vic go for our football reasons, um, TV ratings reasons, and especially on NBC. Um, so, so, I mean, it's almost like you have to see what you can get out of this guy. There's enough. To me, there's enough teams out of there, not just that need quarterbacks, but they need quarterbacks and their coaches are in a hot seat where they can't afford to – where you had time to develop a first-round pick and the most seasoned veteran under thirty out out there is at this point is Cobb, except for maybe Kyle Orton.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what are so. you doing? That are you are you saying that you look to push Cobb if you can and sign Vic? Are you saying you franchise Vic and you hold on to Cobb? What I mean, because here's what I fear. What I fear is I would like to put the franchise tag on Vic um, only because what makes him so dangerous is what makes him so vulnerable. Um, You know, his legs, obviously it's going to be a high leg. going to win some games, but it's also going to get him hurt. And I think we know that. You have to have a quality backup. But if you franchise him and you hold on to Kevin Cobb, no player likes to be franchised, first of all. Cobb doesn't want to be a backup. He wants to be traded, second of all. So in all reality, at the end of the two thousand and eleven season you face the possibility that not only Michael Vick walks to get a big deal from somebody, Kevin Cobb walks. That he's done with the way that the Eagles have handled the situation. And then here we are in two editor in the two thousand twelve season with Kafka or whatever other free agent you can go ahead and muster up. <laughs> well so in that's reality I the ways... don't know how they handle this decision, the situation. Well the way the way I look at it, what they what I think they should do
4: I mean, it all comes down to how to communicate the franchise tag to Vic. You're not going to say, oh, we're just not letting you go. You need to franchise him and give him the idea that this is what we have to do now, but we're talking to your agent at the same time to try to get you here long longer and work with that. And yeah, you're going to have, once you do that, you're going to have to try to trade, trade cop because Kyle only has one year left, and he's he's not signing any more contracts with the Eagles if after he's has if after he set behind Vic in two thousand eleven so you have to push him out of there as soon as possible. most unfortunate part of about it of course, is the c b a that's the only that's the biggest thing that's going to keep Cobb in Philadelphia is that the lack of that deal because of course you can't trade players for draft picks at this time, so... But, yeah, they, they need to... Um, I would franchise Vic. Uh, also, with Vic, he can't really get too disgruntled, disgruntled because he isn't that far removed from his past.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the
2: thing, too. There are so many factors weighing into signing Vic to a deal and what to do with him. Between who knows if they'll be football next year. Um, you want to be careful what you give him because, again, we... What if this is how it is, and he just ends up banged up and playing poorly at the end of the year? That's not good either. And also, one false move, and he's back in the big house. You know I mean? Even a small – just anything that trips up his probation. I mean, just – even being at that party with Qantas Phillips, you're not allowed to do that. Little stuff like that could make it all blow up in, in Vic's face. I mean, there's – this is not an easy situation for the Eagles or for anybody, because you want no,
4: to. He's one, Vick, you want, he's, he's one good lawyer from not playing at all right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, and by if all means, I want to just kind of bring this up. I want to make sure that the Michael Vick we saw over the first half of the season is is the Michael Vick that you're you get exactly. I don't want the Michael, and I'm not talking about strictly. You know, but, you know. Once the Giants said, "All right, well." Blitz him on the right side, for, you know. Develop that blueprint. I'm not saying post that simply. I'm saying there were a couple rumblings. Uh, he wasn't necessarily putting in as much time. Uh, you know, as he as got that taste of success, they, at times he almost trip back into that old Atlanta form. Yep. I don't. I don't want that. I don't want that form on 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 the side. I don't want. I, don't I don't want, want that victory. form on center. So <laughs> but, um, it's all about not only. You know Michael Vick signed him, but which Michael Vick you're signing? Exactly, you know? exactly. Look, we we gotta take a break though. We'll
2: come back. We'll get to more Eagles stuff, especially more Eagles free agency stuff on the other side. This is G Cobb in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com.
1: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
4: Every Monday, tune in after the weekend games for
1: Locker Room Views
4: with Arturo Freeman. It's a sports show that'll keep you talking. We'll go inside the minds and lives of world-class athletes and hear about their views, opinions, and life experiences about the world of sports. Your host, former NFL great Arturo Freeman, will present an action-packed out every single week. Arturo
1: Freeman, Locker Room Views. is live every
4: Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports
1: Channel. Here's what's happening this week on Forever Hunting's Trail with Jim and Tram. John Demney with Delta Waterfall, the buck stops here, Mike Handback,
3: also
2: Bob Delphay from GunBroker.com, and the intrepid Cat Daddy will be our special guest, and we'll be headed on the trail with a guy that has to go outside to get something out of the fridge. We're talking about those guys from Vanderbilt's, your work Boot center, Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you
1: on the trail You're joined up with G. Cobb in the House, featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll-free. 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to garycobb at aol.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G. Cobb in the House. All
2: right, back here on G. Cobb in the House, I am Michael Warren, along with Jason Ashworth and Haram Knight. Uh, we're talking a little Eagles as tends to happen around here. Um so we were talking about Cobb and Vic. Eagles Free Agency. And it's great that we're here sitting talking about Eagles Free Agency while the Seahawks are getting ready to play a playoff game. Awesome. Yeah. And then just real quick, how big is that now? How, how, how big is that two seed now? You get the bye week and a home game against the Seahawks. That's not bad. That that sounds like a pretty good uh path to the NFC Championship game, I think. Yeah, um, but that would
3: really all depend on who would have won in the Chicago-Green Bay game because you could be sitting here playing Chicago, possibly? No? Yeah, you could have been playing Chicago instead, so you can't look at it that way. But go ahead. Uh,
4: well, whatever. I, 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 I'd take the Bears at the lake any day. Oh, yeah, true.
3: So, well, I think the Bears are overrated. I, don't, I think they'll beat the Seahawks, but I do think they're uh, an over in terms of heading into the playoffs, I thought they were the most overrated team.
2: Okay, that's fine, but say what you want, but they give the Eagles fits. For whatever reason, they give the Eagles fits.
3: Like when they were 13-3 and three and the Eagles went to Soldier Field and mopped them up. See oh, some great ar- point, <laughs> great point. That was nine years ago. Hey, I'll tell W because I thought they were overrated then. They were three touchdowns from three interception returns to touchdowns from Mike Brown in overtime or whatever it was. They got them halfway. <laughs> Get out of here. That's fucking hey, they, they,
2: they had very, very good defenses back then. But, they, you know, Jim Miller and uh, who was the other one back there?
3: Who knows? Nobody cares. Nothing, nothing uh, I know who you're talking about, too. The big, the big corn fed white dude. Yeah. <laughs> I forget who that dude was, but I, I remember exactly who you're talking about.
2: Um, for the Eagles free agency, we talked about they have holes. Uh, the big name is obviously Namdi Um He even said today there's still a very good chance he stays with the Raiders, which I think is uh, not true at all.
4: <laughs> he's he's being political right now. Um, he, he's a very well-spoken guy, but I, I'm not going to believe that he go back to the Raiders. I, if I'm anybody speaking speaking of that team, I wouldn't want to do anything have anything to do with anything that Al Harris Al Davis sorry signs a, a paycheck for because um, firing Mike Tom Cable was one of the stupidest moves of the year, but. Back to um, I can never say it. Asamuga. <laughs> <Last more. laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll I'll never get it right. Hopefully, if he's here, I'll I'll learn to pronounce it. I mean, uh, I would love to have him across. from right. Asante. Yeah, saying his name and Asante Yeah, five times. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: Actually, we got the, uh, we have Richie Quinones joining us now. Richie, you with us? Yeah, I'm here, guys. How's everyone? What's happening, brother? We're just talking a little little free agency. Um, this concerns me about Osmo. Is he's going to get a big payday? I don't mean to sound like Joe Banner here, but he's 30. And I don't want to give a guy a huge contract to have him be a safety in two years. I mean, is anybody else concerned about his age, or is that just me?
4: No, I, I, I am, and that's one of the first things I said when I they, uh, they, uh, first learned that he was a um, – going to be a free agent this year is he, he'll be 30 before next year starts and i mean he has a size but and, and that's fine but this guy just came off a three-year 45 million dollar contract that's that's a top quarterback contract that he he just got off so and yeah imagine what he's expecting coming into the next contract is just gonna be ridiculous especially the guarantee guarantee money side of it so I, I, agree. I, I really don't think that the Eagles are going to go after him. I mean, they'll, they'll inquire about him, but I'm not holding my fingers crossed to have him here. I, I'll tell, you, you, tell you what, he's a great player. Um,
5: and you're right, it's amazing. This guy's been around for like eight years now, well, I shouldn't say for like, but for eight years now. But I, I just think the whole thing's ridiculous that he doesn't meet incentives. So basically his contract is voided out, and you're right. He banked a boatload of money. He's going to want, if anything, probably another huge contract. Um, you know, I just don't see the Eagles even looking in this guy's direction. I really? Mean, I'm on the Eagles, and I don't know. Uh, just got back in what you guys have been talking about for the last 20 minutes. I mean, if you're talking free agency, this and that, and holes. I mean, my goodness, you got to look at linebackers. You know, you got to look at some tackles. Uh, I just don't see the Eagles putting up that kind of money for this type of player. But granted, he's a, he's a very good player. He's a very no. good player. Oh,
3: Richie, come uh, on, you're a giant, man. come on, Richie.
4: But the yeah, other thing is, how, this that,
3: is how Andy Reid does his business. Right,
4: right, the, Eagles Andy Reed, the Eagles can use them, that? but you have to outbid the Detroit Lions, the Houston Texans, and at least no, two you, other teams that that, that are really that are in a real need of a, a top cornerback. Yes. Yeah. That are gonna pay whatever to get them. Yeah, but
2: Ron, you got a whiff of the uh, whatever the cornerback play opposite Asante this year, though. Right? I mean, it
4: was horrific. Oh, it was terrible. Terrible. you have to address that somehow. Oh, they're, they're they're going to. I'm I'm leaning more towards somebody mentioned. Um, Antonio, what, was Cromarty on the Jets?
3: Yeah, was, yeah, I would imagine.
4: He'll cost less. Uh,
3: and He's not. The question not is, well, they put up with his attitude. <laughs> look, here, here's yeah. the deal. Here, here's the situation on how I look at it. All things revolving around Cromarty. First of all, you have to know how Andy Reid does his business in the uh, in the off season. Andy Reid values only so many positions. And Micah, we talk about it all the time. You yeah. want to know what Andy Reid values? What do you do, Micah? Follow the money. You follow the money, right? In in two thousand. He spent his money on John Runyon. It was 2001. Uh, he spent his money on, on John Runyon, offensive line, because he values that position. And then he jumped right, like, in 2004 and went and got Javon Kirsch, defensive line. He values that position. In 2008, he jumped, and he went and got Dante Samuel because he values that position. Those are the right. three positions that Andy Reid values. Now, well, quarterback being number one, but that's That's not. what I was going to say. Obviously, every team values a quarterback. But in terms of the position, he doesn't really... Put a, a monetary value on a linebacker. I don't see him going out and really not only spending money in free agency, but I don't see him spending a high draft pick on a linebacker. So they haven't a
2: drafted of, a linebacker. Now, granted, this is a different. You, it's not entirely fair. It's a different regime, but they haven't drafted a linebacker in the first round since Jerry Robinson in '79. And agreed. that probably doesn't happen if Dick Vermeil doesn't have the UCLA
3: connection with him. Agreed. And that's the same ilk with Andy Reid. Now, the problem is. Andy Reid already has a boatload of cash tied up in Asante Samuel, and I can't see him investing, you know, whatever it may have to be $100 million in his corners. He's not going to have yeah. that much money locked up yeah. in just his two corners. Now, he can get Cromarty for less, and that may happen because the Jets are most likely going to let Cromartie walk. Because Revis and, and Namdi have already been talking. Those those dudes are BFFs. They're already talking, and I bet you they're both drooling at the possibility of the ten, what, the
2: what cap space would the Jets have left? What that? What cap space would the Jets have left to to land a Ndamdi?
3: Well, they, I mean, they obviously are going to have a couple dudes walking. They're not going to have to pay Cromarty and, and I'll tell you what, I would not be surprised to see Ndamdi take a little bit less money to go play with Revis in that defense and be on a winner. This dude has not tasted winning since playing for Oakland. He has not gotten that taste in his mouth. And I think a lot of athletes, he's dead. He's gotten a payday. Yes, he wants to get paid, but he wants to win. And I think he's really going to take that into consideration. So for all those Detroits out there that you're talking about, and the Houstons, I don't know that Nnamdi himself looks that way just because he's had that. Look, I can get paid and go play in Oakland. That's fantastic, but why don't I take a little less money and go play for a winner? And I think yeah, that, I think that's going to make uh, might. A bit more of a difference than people are giving credit for. It
2: might, but, you know, there's some, there's some yeah, decent... The Go ahead. I mean, it's, there's some decent corners out in the market that you can get the
4: left. We mentioned uh, Cromarty. Uh, Jonathan Joseph? Brent
3: I, like I don't
2: know.
4: He's, he, he's going to get franchised. I mean, I, I, I put him down as a possibility, but I see him getting franchised by the Bengals. Veronica, <laughs> this is what
2: you do. You, you have like a big chart that you sit and you keep up with. <laughs> <You know,
5: laughs>
2: yes, I, I do. I wanted,
5: yes, And, and, and forgive me, <laughs> I don't know who said it about Cromarty um, definitely walking and. Um, the Jets uh, looking at um, nothing. You know, I don't. I, I don't know if that's definitive or not with Cromartie because I I got pretty good ties in the New York area and, and and a lot of the Jets and they don't. You know they 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 like Cromarty. and I understand it's a numbers game and this that the other thing, but they do have a lot of depth in the secondary. Um, you know, I guess everything with the Eagles and the rest of the teams in the league, we would all agree is contingent on the cva because you really can't do anything until everything's Correct. figured out and you guys are talking about money with the eagles has anyone mentioned i'm sure you guys have i mean look at well, what is their number one priority in the off season? if everything falls into place and there's not going to be a lockout is it giving it not to take you off track is it giving deshaun jackson a huge contract no. or michael no. vick
3: no well, I don't. Vic I don't yes. think so. I mean, Vic, obviously, Vic he's, yes once the CBA is worked out, he's going to get his money, and you have to take that into consideration. But I, I don't think he gets a huge contract. I really don't. I think he gets like a three-year deal. Vic. Yeah. Well, they can franchise Vic. You're going to. What you yeah, we
5: were talking about, Vic or Jackson?
3: Oh no, no, no. no, no I'm sorry. I was talking Vic. about Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
5: Uh, he gets a three-year
3: deal. I think Vic gets franchised this year. Around we were talking about that earlier. I mean, you're still going to wind up paying him sixteen and a half million or whatever it is, but the Eagles are still going to have money to play with. Uh, I mean, they always do. The problem is, will will you spend it? Will this organization spend that money? They and will spend. Because,
2: you even said they do spend. They just spend it on stuff they think is important. Fans accuse the Eagles of being cheap and not spending because they don't always throw money at the guys they want it. You know, the fans want it. Right. But they do well, the spend. Mo- the most
4: important thing that them to spend money on to me is right, right guard and Somebody earlier in the day mentioned Logan Mankins. I'm yeah. more of a Carl Nix guy from the New Orleans Saints. Um, he, fits, uh, he, he will improve that line dramatically. Um, Do you think Mankins is where will really spend Anybody that's not on the roster now that they're going to spend a lot of money on, he will be the first guy that they go after, in my opinion. Deshaun, the thing that concerns me with Deshaun Jackson is his agent. His agent has it pumped in his head that he can get Larry Fitzgerald money, and for, no, for he whatever can't. He reason, I think that's going to be the well, here, reason he walks away. Here,
5: here's here's the difference: that Deshaun Jackson wants that money, but there's a there's one problem. You better be he able to go those? across the middle and take a hit if you want a hundred million dollar
4: contract as a wideout.
5: Oh, and, and, then, not, and
4: we all know that. That's not. <laughs>
5: that's just not Deshaun yeah. Jackson.
4: And, and that's what. Joe Banner's going to say to him. Joe Banner's going to mathematically look at the percentage of targets going his direction and turn into receptions and say you're, you're worth this, not what what you expect. Um, and it's going it's going to lead. To, I think he's going to hold out. <laughs> yeah, I think
2: I think we're looking at uh, a little training camp spat. And, and Richie yeah. pointed out all of this. All of this is prefaced with. If there's football.
3: I mean, that's... We're just going to... it. We're gonna you go, know, I get a, I get a kick out of that. I get a kick out of everyone who says... By the way, how
5: depressing is it, the notion that there might not be football? Because I have to tell you, from a, from a guy standpoint, I'm going to be thoroughly depressed for about four months. It's going to be not, bad,
2: and it can't yeah. happen. We, we do have to take... I hate to throw water on it, but I have to be the guy to break everybody up. we got to take a break. We'll get back to more of this on the other side. This is G Cobb in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com.
1: Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and
2: anything else sports with
1: Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience,
3: so he's prepared to talk sports with
1: you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame
3: Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.
1: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice of America Sports. joined up with G. Cobb in the house featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren you want to get in on the conversation call in now, it's toll free 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or send an email to Gary Cobb at aol.com remember two R's and two B's in that name, now back to G. Cobb in the house All right,
2: we're back here with quite a rowdy group this evening, Uh, I'm Michael Warren Along with Jason Ashworth, Haran Knight, and Richie Caniunas, and we're talking a uh, little Eagles. Uh, and, and I had one thing I wanted to get to on the Eagles, and then even uh, Richie I had a question for you because you're our New York guy. Because um, I want to get your thoughts on Tom Coughlin. I know everyone's killing him, but uh, I wanted to find out. But first, uh, Jay and I had kicked this around, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, if, if, what if the Eagles, and it looks like Bob Ryan might end up in, um, in Dallas, but I, I don't think I would have had a problem if they brought in Bob Ryan you go get a Brayu Franklin from, from the Niners, because you need a nose, you could conceivably switch to a 3-4. Think of how many tweeners they've drafted. Guys like Ricky Sapp, you know, these guys that really are probably outside linebackers. Bunkley and Patterson, they can play defensive end in 3-4, because they can't really play defensive tackle on a 4-3 so hot. Uh, would you guys, would you consider, would you be open to a move to the 3-4? Because this is what I don't like. I don't like when you have personnel set up for your certain defense, a new coach comes in and all of a sudden, no, we're now we're switching. And you're like, well, that's great. We drafted, uh, for one way the past five years and you're going to come in and change everything. But the way the Eagles drafted, it, it's almost like they draft for a 3-4. If they can get the nose tackle, and I, Haran, uh, I don't know, you think of brave Franklin Walks? Um, yeah. Uh,
4: um, it's, it's hard to say. I really haven't been keeping it too many tabs on the 49ers. Um, and because the Eagles do a 4-3, uh, kind of stay away from teams with a 3-4. But he he definitely is somebody to look into if they were going to switch in that direction. And the Eagles definitely had the um, outside linebackers for it. Stuart Bradley probably would do good in it. You have Ricky Sapp sitting on IR. That's the defense that he's actually built for. So so I I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I'm so used to... Four three in Philly for so for so many decades. It would be it would be
3: something to get used to. And is this you almost know, the, is this almost would, the time no, to go do ahead. it? Go ahead, please. No, I, all I was going to say is this almost the time to do it. It's not like you have a defense. Now, granted, there's injuries, there's attrition right. uh, that happened this year, but this is almost. I don't know. There's going to be a better time to do it. You have a defensive a defensive coordinator who took over Jim Johnson's defense, but we, we all know this is not Jim Johnson's defense that we're saying. They don't have the players to run a successful 4-3 defense. Uh, you're coming off a year where it was just not solid at all on defense. You obviously have the players uh, at the crucial positions, other than nose guard, which is probably the number one position that you yeah. need a 3-4, but that can be addressed. But to no, me, that's this,
5: that's this the thing. is I mean, The tackle, it. the nose tackle, the, the inside linebackers, I mean, the... That's that's your piece. I mean, that that's it. I mean, the, the, the tackle, the nose tackle, is probably the most important guy. The only thing I would say, not not a negative, but when you look at a three-four as opposed to a four-three, when you're looking at uh, defensive ends or usually tackles, and you you have to have a, a strong basically point of attack, so you can't overrun your gaps. And, and a lot of the stuff, a lot of the games, and a lot of the film that I watched on. The Eagles and some of their linebackers, when you have young guys from time to time, they're a little over aggressive, they overshoot the gap. I don't know if, and you're right, this is not a Jim Johnson defense. I don't know if, the, if if the, if the talent is there for it. They've been doing it for so long. Some of the greatest teams in NFL history, the most successful ones, a lot of them have switched to the 3-4. I mean, you look at the Giants in the 80s, the Bills, the Steelers in the 70s, the Dolphins. They did it in the 70s, so. I mean if you go by that pedigree then it gives them a heck of a chance to to, to, to kind of ride a defense to the Super Bowl. I just don't know if, if they can do it from a personnel standpoint. Well, the
4: biggest, I, the biggest if, thing
2: well they is, can't do the four three from a personnel standpoint, so what difference does it make? I mean if you well, have to watch that slop again
4: for an entire year, what difference does it make? <laughs> <laughs> how many guys? How many guys no, just, do they just, draft there's two, things, um, there's two things with it. Uh, like the, the negative side to it is Andy Reid would have to change his priorities. He like like we was saying earlier. He doesn't rate linebackers that highly, and in a three four, linebackers might be the most important section of, of, of the defense. Yeah. Um But on the positive side, you look at the teams that most recently switched from a four a three to a three four and seen how they improved. Green Bay, we've we've seen plenty of times. On the past few years, look, they, right before they switched to a 3-4, they were one of the worst defenses in the league. Now they're
2: yeah.
4: one of the top three. Another team that switched to a 3-4 th- a is Kansas City, and they've been improving a lot the past couple of years. So, when Derek
3: Johnson a, finally started, started to figure it out. So look at if you If we want to say that we don't know if Andy values the linebacker position, and that's the most important part, I agree with you. Good, Andy, don't change what you're doing. How many times have we seen guys, whether they draft them or bring them, and you just sit there in the back of your head, and, you, and you're just thinking, what the hell? Who is it? Like Undersized, high-motor, even Brandon Graham. You take Brandon Graham at 13, and you just can't help but think, oh, he's ideal for the 3-4. Well, that's fantastic. we run the 4-3. What's going There have been numerous, and you mentioned Ricky Satt. There's numerous selections he's made. Uh, over the years that you just think, yeah, okay, great, the 3-4, but I don't know what the hell he's going to do with this defense. <laughs> so, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing, Andy. Keep making the same boneheaded moves. It'll actually work in your favor at this
5: point. Yeah, you keep
3: grabbing
5: your 4-3 fantasy. How much <laughs> of the Eagles' uh, failure this year? I mean, I talked to you guys about this, uh, the, the red zone defense. I mean, just your take on it, guys. How, how much do you give Sean McDermott a pass?
2: Some do, some don't. I'll tell you, there's some people that want him gone, and other people that, like myself, I, I, I can't sit here and say he's a great defensive coordinator, but I can't say he's bad, because I don't think uh, he's got the person, he doesn't have very good personnel. There are guys out there that just flat out could not play at the NFL level. And I, mean, I don't know if you want to say, well, that's his job, to come up with schemes, but at a certain point, you got to man up and play football. I don't know, if they couldn't really I mean, the play at this level,
3: McDermott. Micah. Um, I think it's more that they can't be relied on at the level that they were relied on. They can't be the focal point. They can't be the cog. Of they shouldn't defense. be
4: starters. I, I get it. Ron, what were you saying? I, I hear you, Jay. Yeah, um, I, I'd give McDermott a slight pass because, I mean, his first year, you know, everything was emotional with Jim Johnson just passing away, Him getting thrust into the position. Then two weeks after that, you lose somebody who's supposed to be the focal point of your defense for the, for the year, and Stuart Bradley. And now you got a six man revolving door at middle linebacker. This year, you have Asante Samuel, who doesn't like to tackle, and three, and two rookies, and another undrafted guy, um, as your focal point of your secondary, and Quentin Michael, who, I don't care how, how good like the staff, because mm-hmm. he he's he's not he's not a playmaker, he's not somebody to build a defense around. He's um, overrated off that e- exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what he's had to work with, and he got Boys well, F- Foku who, who who does good. He he gives a hundred percent, but how? Yeah, you
5: don't say enough. That's enough right that. there. Don't say anymore. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
3: <laughs> Anytime you start that's a sentence with, well, you know, I mean, he gives 100%. He tries. <laughs> that's, that's
5: like when someone says, you know what? She's got a really nice personality. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <What's she looking laughs> Thank you. Won't be
3: going on that date. <laughs>
5: <Yeah.
2: laughs> it's, it's, it's very true. So, so yeah, we kind of do. But uh, real quick before the break, we've got a few minutes here. Um, I want to get Richie's take here because I know they're, they just killed Coughlin. And... I don't blame him as much, but you are starting to see the same results toward the end of the year. Uh, his teams, when they face adversity or something like the Eagles game, I had a feeling they weren't going to come out and give you a good game against the Packers. They tend to go in the other direction. Richie, that, do you notice that that bother you? Do you think that's on Coughlin?
5: I, I think it, it, it stemmed last year. I mean, they started 5-0. and They finished 8-8. Eight and eight, uh you know, the mayor and the Tisch family, they support Coughlin. They love him. That's his guy. Look, I mean, it, it was a situation where if you really watched them this year and really followed them, special teams was the ultimate demise. The, the handwriting was on the wall, and it just so happened on a Sunday in, in late December, it was against the Eagles. The defense let them down, give credit to the Eagles. But it was a culmination of everything. You can't turn the ball over 45 times in a football season. It's right. utterly ridiculous. You can't, For them to win 10 games and do that is a miracle. Did they have injuries like every team? Yes. I like the fact Coughlin's coming back because he's a stubborn, strong-minded coach to play or support him. And probably the best thing is that since the Broncos hired Fox, John Fox, that's good news for the Giants because now that means that Perry Fuel, who attracted interest from a lot of teams for head coaching vacancies is going to come back and it'll be another second season as defensive coordinator. They're going to make personnel moves. They're certainly going to make personnel moves, but the Giants they don't just fire coaches on a whim, especially if you win 10 games and I've always been a big fan of Coughlin and and I think that's the smart thing to do. Yeah,
2: cuz there's always at least you know what you have with Coughlin. All these people, and it happens in Philly. It happens everywhere. I want this guy gone. Blah blah blah. All right, you better careful what you wish it, for.
5: It's a knee, it's a knee jerk reaction. It's a knee jerk lead. I mean, it's just how it is. I mean, when that game was over, everyone you know, everyone wanted hold, it, the whole the Giants. had just this bam, fire Coughlin, get rid of this guy, get rid of Dodge. I mean, but but ultimately, there are games like that. Y- you have them. They might be once right. in fifteen or twenty years. Well, guess what? The Giants seem to have them against the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, but the bottom line is ten and six. He's had one losing record since taking over in '04. He basically coached them to one of the biggest wins in Super Bowl history, and the guys yeah. made the playoffs in he won's divisions. And that's yep. tough to do. Cowers won how many Super Bowls? One. Yeah. I mean, they show that when everyone talks about Gruden and Cowher, you know why? To me, same coach. They're all the same coaches, and I don't have a problem with Coughlin.
2: But, Richie, you know what else? This, I've made this point before, and this, this is what bugs me about people that look at Super Bowl winning coaches, and all oh, of a sudden, he's he a blank, blank check. But if, 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 if Nick Harper doesn't get yep. tackled by Roethlisberger, how are we talking about Coward? Same way we but talk about Andy Reid. Great point. coach, never got it done.
5: I agree 100%. When people say, get rid of this guy, like when everyone screams, get rid of Andy Reid, okay, well, who are you going to bring in? That's my point. Well,
4: the guy I wanted them to bring in is now the coach of the Panthers. (laughs) What's that? So the guy, if they was to get rid of Reed, the one I wanted them to bring in is now the coach of the Panthers. Um, Yeah, Ron Rivera, you knew he was going to get a shot soon.
5: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But, no, your your points are dead on. I mean, you're absolutely right. My point is, if there's someone better, show me. Right. Show me. I mean, they're they're, on the league for a reason. Yeah, more times than not, there's not. So right, I got
2: I got to grab a break though I, I hate that I, again I got to break everybody up we're gonna take a break we'll come right back we'll uh, look at some more of these weekend's games here on G Cobb in the house.
1: The IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice American Network. We talk about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and how to get more from your recreation time. Join hosts Brock Ray and Don Kirk with their combined experience of 60 years in the woods. Brock and Don have traveled widely, creating TV shows and writing articles on hunting and fishing. Blessed with down-home humor, they're also well-versed in environmental concerns, firearms ownership, and animal rights issues. Tune in every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time to IS Outdoors with Brock Ray and Don Kirk, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
2: I think, I think from now on, we're not going to I'm not even going to tell you guys we're taking a break. We're just going to let everyone just keep going, and whatever people hear, they hear. <laughs> <We> just can't <laughs> stop right through the break talking about the same stuff. And, and actually, it was kind of a, a neat point. Um, look, we were talking about Super Bowl losing coaches, and Andy Reid is a Super Bowl losing coach. He's stuck around. Uh, Jeff Fisher lost the Super Bowl. He's stuck around. But if you look at what happens with Super Bowl losing coaches, I mean, I, I think the best example is Bill Callahan. Uh, for the Raiders because of what happened to the entire franchise since then.
3: I mean garbage. Absolute garbage. Yeah, you mean sitting here thinking of it. I'm am trying to sit here and think of it. And I, I can't even Fisher. Fisher lost the Super Bowl. Yeah. And there there was a there was a point in, in the last ten years where Fisher had one of the top picks. You know, in all reality if you go through the losing Super Bowl quarter or head coaches, the only one and it's funny that I'm saying this though I mean, John Fox. They won the division last year. Yeah. You know, so I mean, as bad as they were this year, they still won the division last year. Think, think of how many teams. It was two years, ago. Was, two years was, ago. was it two years ago? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, Arizona. Arizona in no in in the playoffs. He,
2: and he never really had a good quarterback, too. That makes John Fox even more impressive.
3: Yeah. So I guess what I guess my point being, majority of the coaches who lose, other than probably Fox, who's had a small taste of it, Reed's the only one that following the loss has maintained the stability of the team overall. Now, granted, they struggle in 05, but L- bounce back Luffy a little Smith's no stick. another one. Witten, yeah.
5: H- Lovie Smith, right? <laughs>
3: yeah,
5: wow, you know, that,
3: much, I mean, that I know Well, actually, you know, the Bears kind of bounce back. so Now they're the 2 seed. I guess that would be yeah. another. Yeah, yeah. But there's so so I guess the point being, some being uh, not many quarterbacks, or I keep saying quarterbacks, uh, head coaches that can bounce back <laughs> in terms of the franchise, <laughs> keeping them at a the level.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, historically, I mean, uh, Dan Reeves just got good at it, so maybe that's why he was. <laughs> I, mean, I will get you to the Super Bowl. I'm not going to win it, but I will get you there.
5: Listen, Dan Reeves, when he was a Giants coach, head coach, always said the same thing in southern twang. He'd be like, "Well, you know what? I think we go nine and seven. We got a good shot of getting in." It was the same song and dance every single time. But I mean,
2: you know, but, every but, but don't forget. And, and Richie, you know this. Who was is- and I remember thinking every year during you know during this tenure, I'm like, really? They're sticking with this guy at quarterback? I mean, how could you win with Dave Brown?
5: <laughs> Supplementary draft out of Duke.
2: Yeah, he's a Duke guy. I'm sure yeah, was I'm right. You right. You know, maybe fun at parties, but he wasn't a very good quarterback.
5: Well, I'll tell you what. You know, Danny Cannell almost won a playoff game, but again, the Giants choked against Minnesota. I'll tell you what. What if you guys just preview – the the games this weekend. Let's talk Giants. Maybe in next November. are sick of. Are you all Giants out now, Richie? I, pitchers and catchers. That's all I have to say. Pitchers and catchers. I'm I just. I, I want to get through these playoffs and enjoy them. And I got to deal with the the Jets and, and Rex Ryan and you know playing footsies and all this. I'm just tired of it. Let's just play the games. <laughs>
2: All right, so real quick, we only got a few minutes. We'll go through here and look at some of these games coming up this weekend. Baltimore is in Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, i got to tell you something. For all uh, for all the talk of, oh, cold weather, tough defenses, running, Baltimore-Pittsburgh bores the crap out of me. Those games bore me. I would rather watch a St. Seahawks shootout. It's not that I don't appreciate defense, but just from pure watching enjoyment, I just want to kill myself when I watch Baltimore against Pittsburgh.
3: Yeah, the guy. such
2: an
4: old, it's shows. such an old school football game,
5: though.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just hit each other and knock each other out, break each other's noses until that part's fun. Somebody comes away with a sixteen thirteen win. I will <laughs> yeah, watch that men, game any day
3: of the week. I love that football. Yeah, I, I love, I love a good shootout. I do. And Mike, I'm, I'm with you. I always like a good shootout. But there's just something. There. <laughs> When you see a knockdown drag out of two division teams that have a, a history of not being too fond of each other and then they're gonna yeah. go ahead and meet and and then they meet in the playoffs. I mean even both games this season. They were both good games. So um I me, I'm looking forward to it. i yeah, kind of, I'll watch
2: I, of course I'm gonna watch it. I don't miss any of this stuff. I have to watch it.
3: so uh, we'll but, twist your arm. We'll twist your arm.
2: But realistically, it's like just show me the last ten minutes. I mean, <laughs> three and out football is not fun. <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean,
3: nah, see, this is not three-and-out football where you have two bad offenses. This is, you know, you're going to get some drives, but if it's three-and-out, it's because defenses are making plays. And I understand that. That's fun to watch. Yeah, they're smacking each other in the mouth. All right, so uh,
4: uh,
2: any any picks? Who do you guys like, Baltimore, Pittsburgh?
4: I'm got. i going to go with Pittsburgh, especially yeah, if, uh, if Palomao healthy enough. Pittsburgh. I, I don't, that
2: I don't do know
4: it. that he is, though, Haran. Yeah, is probable
2: turn. now. <laughs> I like Pittsburgh if they get something in a because that defense is not the same without him. Well, the I, I like Pittsburgh because
5: Flacco turns it over too much for my liking. All right. so I like Pittsburgh. All right, Jay.
3: Uh We're all in agreement. I like Pittsburgh, and I like Pittsburgh right. to cover the spread, too. <laughs> Which means Baltimore will win.
2: On to the next one.
3: <laughs> Green Bay
2: in Atlanta. <laughs> Can Green Bay pull this out?
4: I think Atlanta's a little overrated. I think Green Bay can pull it out, especially um, if they're in a dome and everything's pretty much there's no weather involved and everything's built on speed. They got the receiving core Aaron Rodgers, um, which is good enough to do it.
3: And Brian Williams is out too. Brian Williams is a key uh, nickel guy for them. And when Packers go four and five wide, they're gonna—I mean—they're gonna need uh, Brian Williams. and so if he's out, that's just another advantage for Green Bay. I got Green Bay in this one. Yeah, I'll take I, Green Bay. What I, 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 I
5: think I, I think Atlanta's the most disrespected number one seed in the last ten years. Guess what? I'm taking the Falcons. Matty Ice at home. Gonzalez, with a big day. I'll take Atlanta at home.
2: They do Go. play damn well at home with Matty Ice. i got to give you that. Um, and it's going to be for they Green they Bay to win the three Saints, straight they road they games. That's, that's what they told the, the Saints. The what? Saints oh, really? Okay. Check this out. <laughs> All right. All right, Seattle's in Chicago. Uh, Are we going to continue to disrespect the Seahawks?
4: Both teams are disrespected. Uh, It sounds something. I'm going to go with the Bears.
2: (laughs) No, but you disrespected the Seahawks, Ron. That's okay. They asked for it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) They asked for your disrespect. (laughs) What what do you think, Jay? I wanted the Rams to win against the Seahawks. Seahawks won. I figured the Saints would smoke them, the Seahawks won. Through that, I've actually began to start rooting for the Seahawks, so I'm riding the Bears. I'm saying the Bears are going to smoke them, because I'm starting to pay attention to the Seahawks now.
5: I'm going to say I think the game is going to be closer than people anticipate. would not be surprised if Cutler had his moment, and I'm going to throw you all for a loop. You're going to think I'm crazy. I'm going to go with the Seahawks on the road. Marshawn Lynch is going to break the game open, but I think half of Beck's going to outduel, as crazy as it sounds. You can kill my credibility. He's going to outduel Cutler. So just take no, it for that's what that's it's worth. I mean,
2: if you had said it last week, we'd have destroyed your credibility, but you'd have been right, and we would have looked stupid. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I—I'll I, I, tell you this: I'm Bears taking Chicago, men. but I, I'm rooting hard for Seattle. Man, I really want Seattle to keep going. I'm, I'm a big BMW fan. Uh, I actually kind of do like Marshawn Lynch, even though he's like a circus act, But all right, all right, we're getting close to close. We've got a couple minutes left. The Jets in New England.
4: Wes Welker is going to put his best foot forward.
3: Yeah, that that
4: <laughs> we're foot
3: soldiers. We're foot soldiers. I, I'm, going, I'm going with the Patriots. <laughs> I'll take the Patriots in a, uh, in a game that's much closer than the 45 45- to. Forty five to three blowout, uh probably I'll take the, the Patriots by what, eight, seven, eight, a closer game than we think.
5: Somewhere like three uh, seventeen. Uh, the the Jets and Ryan tugged on Superman's cape. I think Brady is motivated. Belichick is just gonna they're gonna come out guns blazing and uh I actually like New England by two touchdowns in this game.
4: Wow. You think it's gonna
5: be a good old fashioned? I, you know, I think uh, it might be a woodshed moment. I think it'll be close to the fourth quarter, late third, and then, boom, they just break it open.
2: Yeah, and, you know, they just are – I don't really like their defense at all, but it doesn't
5: seem to matter.
2: They're just like a machine, and the only thing they know how to do is win. You know, what not Deion Branch give the Seahawks? Nothing. He couldn't stay healthy. He was a waste of time. Heartburn. He goes back to the Patriots, and all of a sudden, hey, I'm a stud again.
5: Like, what is... And, and what he's
4: is been this? doing that since the first game he was on the field. What, what's they, that?
5: They know what they're doing.
4: Yeah, they I'm he, they're he's doing. been doing that ever since he stepped right back on the field with the Patriots. It's
5: amazing.
2: It was bizarre. It's almost like I had to go back and, and reread stuff and be like, wait, I'm correct in thinking he was worthless in Seattle, right? I mean, I mean, and then he comes back and all of a sudden he's a new player. I'm like, am I seeing this right? I, uh, I tend to like the Patriots, too, not because of the trash talking either. I mean... Belichick and Brady don't need motivation and certainly not against Rex Ryan and the Jets, they don't like him anyway I mean, I still don't think it's a great idea <laughs> to be talking but no, I think in the end the Patriots win and that, we got all four games in uh, that's going to wrap up our time this week, uh, I want to thank Ron Knight, Jason Ashworth, Richie Quinones for joining me um, we should do this all the time,
3: it's a good time everybody enjoy no, no, your weekend no, one and done, that's it <laughs> I'm done I've had my fun alright
2: all right, guys thanks for joining me everybody take care enjoy your weekend and we'll see you next
1: week All right. time to break the huddle we'll be back again next Friday at 4pm Pacific 7pm Eastern for another edition of G. Cobb in the house with Gary Cobb and Micah Warren have a great weekend and we'll see you again soon